0: I tell you that skit that's a pretty good one Oscar award-winning stuff right there thank all of you who sent us pictures for the um, for the slideshows the uh, wedding pictures I thought that was so neat and there's some scary looking people up there wasn't they? <laughs> Lynn with Julian where are you he, he's man he look like Jim Croce y'all remember Jim Croce <clears throat> we're happy to have you at Whitley Church today Thank all of our visitors and guests for coming. Make sure before you go home that you pick up one of our gift and information bags right back there at the Guest Welcome Center. It's got a lot of information about our church. If you're looking for a church, and even if you're not, if you're just visiting from out of town, please pick one up so you'll have uh, one of our gifts, our coffee cups with our logo on it. So when you drink coffee out of that cup, you'll think about us and pray for us. Um, Let me just mention the mission celebration coming up Uh, in less than a month on uh, March the 6th. That's what the movie clip was about. We were not advertising a movie that's going to come out in January. That would have been a pretty long wait, wouldn't it? But we are, this movie's already been out. Some of you may have already seen it, but we're going to have movie night. It's a missions movie and um, very, very powerful, true story. And uh, we'll have popcorn, lemonade, and everything just like we did when when the Fireproof movie um, when we showed that and so we hope you'll come out that's on March 6th that's a Friday night come out bring your family okay and then uh, on the the next Friday evening 16th we'll have a meet and greet with our with our missionaries and you'll get to come out to the church and all this will be out in the impact building in the big room and you'll get to meet um, some of our missionaries that we support and uh, you'll we'll have some food there for you, some finger foods, and and uh, we'll just it'll be a real casual atmosphere and uh, very laid back, and just give you a chance to connect with the missionaries that you do so much for and that you support so much. And then on March fifteenth, that is our huge celebration, our huge mission celebration, where we ask you to make a pledge that Sunday. Uh, About what you will give each month to missions for the next year Now I remind my pastoral staff and uh, we need to have our pledge in early So those of you who are on the pastoral staff, please uh, go ahead and be praying about your pledge You should have already been doing that and and let's get our pledge in as soon as possible I remind our deacon board and ministry directors uh, You need to get your pledges in as soon as possible so that we can announce that prior to our congregation uh, making their pledges okay so pray about your pledge and remember that missions a church that is missions minded uh, a church that that has a passion for missions uh, God just pours into that church blessing and healing and everything they need so let's be that kind of church let's be a missions church we are in a marriage series um, a marriage sermon series as you know and uh we're calling it "I do," and on the first message, we uh, spoke to our singles about how to marry the right person. We kind of uh, we called that uh, message "I do." I think. I'm not sure. I want. I, I'm not sure. I want to say "I do," but I think I do. And and so we talked about how to marry the right person. And then in the series uh, last week, or in the message last week, we went on with this theme of "I do" and what it means. And we talked to those who were married, and we talked about, I do now what? Now that I'm married, now that the honeymoon is over, and now that I'm into um, a normal life with this person who I've married, what do I do now to keep my marriage exciting and vibrant and... uh, And keep our love strong what do I do And so we talked about some things there and to illustrate that principle we went to a parable in the Bible and is the parable of the wise and the foolish builder so let's go there in the Bible right now it'll be up on the screen or you can follow along in your Bible and let's read it together what Jesus said in Matthew 7 24 through 27 Jesus said therefore Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Look at the combination there. Who hears my word and does it, Jesus says, I will liken that person who hears and does the word uh, to a wise man or wise woman. To a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended on that house, and the floods came against that house, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. There are three natural elements that are mentioned in this parable. First of all, the rains, the violent monsoon rains. Then Jesus mentions floods, the floods, the engulfing waters. And then he mentions the wind, this this hurricane gale force kind of wind. There are basic observations from this parable that we need to note, even though they're very simple. We need to remember that two homes were built. One was built on the rock, and one was built on the sand. We need to understand that there were two separate builders. One was wise, and one was foolish. Both builders experienced the exact same circumstances, violent storms, yet there were very different results. One house stood, and one house collapsed. So we bring this into the realm of marriage and we ask the question, why does the same thing happen in a marriage? Why is it that two marriages can go through identical circumstances or nearly identical circumstances and have very different results? One marriage will stand while the other marriage falls. Jesus says the difference is in the foundation. The difference is in the foundation. The foundation is as important in building a marriage as it is in building a house. And I told you last week that we could have subtitled this message, How to Stormproof Your Marriage. And last week we talked about the rain, and we talked about how that the culture we live in, the secular, humanistic, liberal culture that we live in, is like rain falling down on us. Listen carefully. No one can escape the culture that we live in. You cannot escape it. You cannot isolate yourself enough to get away from the culture that we live in, and it is very anti-God, this culture. We talked about the alternative lifestyles that are being forced upon us to accept it and to believe that this is suddenly okay with God and what's in the Word of God really doesn't matter anymore. We talked about sexual immorality and the fact that in our new culture that it really isn't immoral and anyone can have relations with anyone they want to as long as they're both consenting adults. And then there's the economy that pushes us to maintain a certain kind of image, a materialistic economy that says you got to drive a certain thing and wear a certain thing and live in a certain kind of house, or you are looked down upon. And so we get ourselves in too much debt because we're trying to impress our neighbors. We talked about radical feminism. Ladies who weren't here, don't get upset about that. We also talked about male chauvinism and how both of them are very, very, uh, very, very selfish. And so this week our, me- our message is to those who are married but maybe having some second thoughts about their marriage. You may be here today and, and you, you just don't understand what's going on but something is happening in your marriage and it, the joy just isn't there. The excitement just isn't there. What you once had just isn't there anymore, and you know, even though you've not really said it to each other, if you have not really discussed it in detail, you know things are not what they used to be, and you know that the dream you had is not coming true. So what we want to talk about today is not only should you be prepared for the culture that you live in, but you need to be prepared for the crises that are coming to your marriage. Every single one of you are going to face these crises. I'm talking about those things that turn your life upside down, that happen in every marriage, external forces. I reminded you last week that if you remember my other marriage series, I always talk about internal things that happen that destroy your marriage, but God dealt with my heart this time about talking to you about the external things that can come against our marriage. Think about this parable. Rain comes from the outside. Floods come from the outside. What are those things that come from the outside of our marriage that can destroy our home? We're talking today about those things that come unexpectedly that throw you for a loop and you wonder what is going to happen next. These are called the floods of adversity. And life's adversities can overwhelm you. Life's adversities come unexpectedly and you feel that you're going under. As I was thinking about this message, I I went back and did a little research and found out that floods are the most devastating natural disaster that can come to a people. Now, we know a little bit about floods here. Back in 1999, we had a 500-year flood, so we know uh, something about that. But did you know that in 1887 in China, that one of the greatest calamities that's ever happened in the last 200 years took place, it was the Yellow River Flood. Listen to this. Seven million Chinese died in that flood. Seven million died in that flood. And then we remember on December 26, 2004, the tsunami that came Uh, In the Indian Ocean to Thailand and to Indonesia, 230,000 people died in that tsunami. Floods are devastating. Floods are the most devastating natural disaster that can come to a people. And if you stay married long enough, the floods of crises, the floods of adversity are going to come your way. It's inevitable. What are those, Pastor? What do they look like? Let's mention a few of them. The floods that could come, they, they could come in the form of an accident that no one expected. They could come in the form, especially in the economy we're in right now, they could come in the form of a bankruptcy, the loss of a home, or the loss of a business. You can look back two years maybe and see how wonderful you were doing, and then all of a sudden it's all gone. It could come in a disease that invades the body that you were not expecting, a rebellious child, a prolonged illness, a tragedy of some kind of death, the loss of a job. It is at this point that many people walk out of a marriage. It is at this point that they often say, I can't handle this, and I believe it would be easier to just split up and start over again instead of trying to face it all. The biggest, listen to me, the biggest strength test of your marriage is how do you handle it when all of a sudden life is flipped upside down? How are you going to handle it in your marriage when all of a sudden your life is flipped upside down and none of your plans are coming to pass? None of your dreams are coming true. To be successful in marriage, we have to be prepared for the rains of culture and the floods of adversity. And the key to handling the catastrophic floods that are going to come against your marriage is one word. I'm going to give you the key to handling the flood. Here's the key. It is one word, commitment. Commitment. To understand that when you said for better, for worse, for better, for worse, for better, for worse, you meant that. You meant that. It was not just words and a ceremony. Psychology Today put out an article recently called Why Marriages Last and then This article, the journalist interviewed people who had been married for an extended period of time and they asked them why did they get married and what was it that kept them together and the response that kept coming up as it related to what kept them together was that in crisis, the only thing that holds you together is commitment, not emotion, not feeling. It's commitment. One woman who had been married for 35 years said, you can't run home to mother when the first sign of trouble appears. And all the mothers here said... (laughs) A man who had been married for 20 years said this, and I thought this was revealing and powerful, and it might not even be easy for you to hear when you first hear it, but he said this, and it's true. Commitment means you must have a willingness to be unhappy in various seasons that all marriages go through. You don't just jump off the ship, he said, at the first sign of trouble. Now don't raise your hand or you could get a broken rib from the person beside you, but I want to ask you a question. How many of you know that in all marriages there are times that happiness would not describe where you are at that particular time in your marriage? And it doesn't have anything to do with your spouse, or maybe it does, but at that season, at that place, there's just not happiness. You see, when you decide decide to stay together during those times, when you decide to stay together when there's some unhappiness, that's commitment. When you decide not to give up on your marriage, that's commitment. It means that you stayed and you loved even when it wasn't fun anymore. There are inevitable crises that are going to come. Death, illness, job changes, a move a loss of some kind, grief, be prepared. That's what I'm saying to you as your pastor this morning. Be prepared because crisis is coming to your marriage. But successful marriages have this attitude. Successful couples say things like this when they go through those dark places in their marriage. They say, you know what? We're in this together. We're in this together and we're a team. And we're going to join our hands, and then we're going to join our other hands to Jesus. And we're going through. We're going to make it. We're going to overcome. We're allies. We'll work on it together. We'll figure it out together. We'll make it work. We'll work through this. And they understand the principle of the Word of God that says when two become one, that means that when one hurts, the other hurts. And when one celebrates, the other celebrates. It's interesting when you study the words of David as it relates to floods. David in the book of Psalms constantly referred to how he felt when experiencing overwhelming problems that came unexpectedly in his life. He says in Proverbs 18 and 4, The ropes of death surround me, and the floods of destruction swept over me. And then in Psalms 69 and 2, and these words sound like words I've probably cried out to God before. Deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. You ever felt like that? I can't find a foothold to stand on. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me over and over again. David uses the illustration of floods when he speaks of these adversities, these catastrophic uh, difficulties and and calamities that come in his life that he did not know were coming. What do you do in a marriage when you've got a a problem that, that you can't do anything about? What do you do when you've got a problem that's beyond your control? Well, Isaiah tells us. Isaiah tells us, and I want us to look in Isaiah 43, and I want to read a couple of verses there, and then I want you to note with me three things. And you've got the sermon notes in your worship program if you want to fill those little blanks in. He tells us here that we're going to face situations. We're going to face floods and fire and crisis is going to come that's beyond our control. But look what he says to do about it. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. That's pretty important, isn't it, what the Lord says? But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you. Yeah, that God, that Lord, the one who made everything. He'd be the one I want to hear from. But now that is what the Lord says. He who created you, old Jacob, speaking to the Jewish people, Israel. He who formed you, old Israel. Here it is, here it is. This word is not only to Israel, but this word is to us today. Fear not. For I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, the flames will not set you ablaze. You know what I say to that? Thanks, God. Amen? Amen. So, what are we going to do? Three things. Number one, here's what you got to do. Pharaoh Hardison's got to do it. I'm preaching to me today. Told my wife, I said, man, this Sermon Sunday is nailing me. She said, honey, I hate to tell you, but they all do. (laughs) Uh, Number one, we got to relax in God's plan, guys. We got to learn to relax in God's plan. Notice what he says. He says, fear not. Fear not. He says, he says, Pray and ask God for a stronger trust in him and a stronger faith in him so you will not worry. Worry. We're in the South. Y'all know what a worry ward is? I are one sometimes your crisis is probably something you can't control think about it most crises that come in our life are things we can't control not that we can't do some things about that but it's out, really out of our hands a lot of times these these unexpected tragedies and adversities that that come into our life a lot of you don't know and there are others here who could give the same testimony I'm giving to you today but I've had cancer uh, actually three different times and Two times very seriously, cancer was discovered in my eye. And um, I thank God for Dr. Glover, who is one of our uh, members out at the bridge now. And Dr. Glover found it, sent me to a doctor in Raleigh, who's a great Christian man, Dr. Phil Martin. And Dr. Phil Martin, a great lover of missions and missionaries, and missionaries stay in his home, one of the greatest guys I've ever met. And he looked in my eye that day, and he said, Pastor, you have cancer. He said, I want to tell you that when you have cancer in your eye, there's a good possibility that it's coming from another place in your body. I didn't know that was coming. I didn't know I was going to hear that that day. Praise God, when they did all the tests, and boy, they did tests. Y'all know, some of y'all know. It was just right there on the front of my eye, and I actually received treatment in his office and was delivered from cancer I praise God for that and then and then I went to the doctor one day and they did blood tests and they discovered that that my PSA level was high and that's a sign that you may have some trouble uh, in your prostate area you may have a tumor so they did a biopsy and that was so much fun. Closer to that doctor than any doctor I've ever been to in my life, and uh, he he said he called me back in his office. He said, "Pastor, you have cancer, your prostate gland." And I went through a radical prostate surgery, and I stand here before you today, clean of cancer, more than five years. <laughs> Praise God! Thank you, Lord. Not everybody can give that testimony. Here's the point. The point is, I didn't know that was coming. I didn't know it was coming. Steph sits here, a wonderful testimony of the incredible miracle-working power of God. She didn't know that news was coming to her. Others of you sitting here, you didn't know you were going to get that news. Some of you have lost your children. You didn't know five years ago that was coming. Here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Be prepared for adversity or it will divide your home. Be prepared for unexpected trouble to mess up your dream so that you can stand in the midst of the flood. He said, don't worry. He said, listen, worry never solved a problem. And you know what we do when we worry? We start to blame. We start to point the finger and blame. Let me move quickly. Worrying never solved a problem. Mark Twain said, worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. There's a lot of motion, but no progress. You know that in the Bible, 365 times, exactly 365 times, one time for every day of the year, it says, don't worry. Actually, the way the Lord put it was, fear not. Because what is worry? You ask somebody, what are you worried about? They start off with these words, well, I'm afraid of. So worry is fear. It's fear. Why shouldn't we be worried? Because God said, I've redeemed you. And because I have a plan for your life and you may not see it and you may not understand it and you may not recognize it, but understand me, the purpose is bigger than your problem and and I'm going to work that in your life if you will trust me. Somebody said worrying doesn't change the past or fix the future. All it does is mess up today. Let's look at the second thing. We've got to recognize his presence, not just relax in his plan. We've got to recognize his presence. You've got to be able to You got to be able to know he's there and listen you need to cry out if you can't see God and ask him say God let me see you have you ever done that have you ever in a dark time in in a time of no revelation of God in your life other than what he's promised in the written word I mean there's just no evidence that he's anywhere near have you ever just cried out in the middle of the darkness and said God I need to see you sometimes he will reveal himself to you and that's an awesome thing but Sometimes he makes you just trust what he's promised. Did you hear me? Sometimes you have to just trust what he's promised. He's testing you. Look what Moses did. Let's read what Charlton Heston said. Exodus thirty-three fifteen. 15. For Moses had said, listen what Moses said to God. This is one of the most incredible passages in the Bible. Moses said, if you aren't going with us, God, don't let us move a step from this place. If you don't go with us, who will ever know that I and my people have found favor with you and that we are different from any other people upon the face of the earth? And the Lord liked what Moses said. And the Bible says, and the Lord had replied to Moses, Yes, I will do what you've asked, for you have certainly found favor with me, and you are my friend. And then Moses asked to see God's glory. It is okay to say, God, I can't see you. Would you just give me a little glimpse? It's okay. Listen to me. Listen to me this morning. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are there right now. And I urge you as your pastor to find that quiet place somewhere and cry out and say, God, let me just have one little glimpse of your glory. And he may reveal himself like this or he may reveal himself like this give you a glimpse just to say to you, you can't see me but I'm there I'm with you, that's a word of the Lord to somebody today, and then number three you've got to rely on God's protection look what he said when you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you And he he didn't say uh, if (laughs) he said what when, when so that means you're gonna write down G-O-N-N-A, I'm gonna go through When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. You see, you have to have an attitude that says, God, we're trusting uh, you to see us through this. God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want it. We're not enjoying it. And God, even though we're going through a difficult time in our marriage right now, and even though we do not see any light at the end of the tunnel, God, me, my wife, my husband, we're going to trust you to see us through. And like Isaiah said in Isaiah 43, we're going to trust that you won't let us get burned. Now, there's some things I look at in here, and I don't like it at all. And I want to just point it out to you. First of all, he says, not around the fire or over the fire, but he says through the fire. Come on, God. How about over the fire? Jump over the fire. Go around. No. He keeps going through. you got to go through. And then I said, well, why do I have to go through? And it's like I heard the Lord say, because that's where I solve problems is when you go through it, not when you go over around. That's when I show you who I am. That's when you can see my glory. That's when you get a real clear picture of me. For it was the young preacher Stephen who, while he was being stoned to death, said, I see Jesus. In the darkest hour, it is when we go through it that we see him clearest. And then I didn't like the speed of it. Because he said, When you walk, God, I don't mind going through it, but could I run? No, you got to walk. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm in a fire, I'm hopping and jumping and skipping and trying to get out of the fire. God says, I want you to walk. Now, I want you to hear me today. He says, sometimes it'll take days, and sometimes it'll take weeks, and sometimes it'll take months, and sometimes you'll be there for years. But he said, I'll be there. Now, see, when we come to these places in our marriage, we can either walk out or we can walk through holding hands and trusting God. some of you are right there where you're trying to decide am I going to walk out or am I going to take her hand and be that prophet priest and pastor am I going to take his hand and be that handmaiden of God and then am I going to and then are we both going to take God's hand and say God we feel the flames of adversity licking at our feet we feel the floods of adversity roaring against our home but you will see us through We're not going to walk out. We're going to walk through with your help. And when you make that commitment, you will survive it. And not only will you survive it, but you will have a stronger marriage and a stronger bond and a stronger unity than you've ever had before. Would you stand with me? Father, we receive the teaching of your word today. We receive the infallible and errant word of God today. Teach us, O Lord, to relax in your plan. Teach us, O Lord, to, to look at Isaiah 43. I pray that every... Father, every mother, every husband, every wife will go home today and open Isaiah 43 and claim the promise that I'm with you when you go through it. I will not let the floods overwhelm you. I will not let the fire burn you. You can come through this. The word of the Lord is when you turn to me, I will get you through it. Father, we receive that word today. We receive it. We accept it, not only as truth, but words to live by. We pray it in Christ's name. Everybody look at me real quick. We're going to have prayer minutes.